Welcome to your new reality. Stretching red sands in every direction, an endless chill in the air while two moons look down upon your bleak situation. You are stranded, injured, left for dead, the last man standing on the desolate, lonely red planet. You are alone on Mars, 38 million miles from Earth. back to another episode of Pages and Pores. I am Ben the Barista. And I'm Hogan the Bookworm. Today we are going to be discussing the book The Martian by Andy Weir. Yes. Okay, so I'm excited to talk about this because not only was this a book, but they made this into a movie. Yeah. And I watched the movie and you read the book, so now yes. I have a chance to actually engage in the conversation <laughs> yeah. with you a little more yeah that way we can so discuss I'm it really excited. Well. we've yes. been trying to do that um you know every week every other week make it where either ben can listen to the audiobook or if there's a movie he can watch the movie so that way we have a little bit more dialogue back and forth yes so it's not just you explaining stuff and me going yeah. uh-huh yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow okay <laughs> yeah it helps a lot <laughs> it helps a lot yes so we're excited have you guys ever seen the movie with matt damon it's actually really good. Yeah, you should go check it out. You know, we hadn't seen the movie at all. I remember when it came out, mm-hmm. and I remember wanting to see it, and I don't know why we didn't go see it. I don't know. But it worked out okay because I read the book, and then the movie was nice and fresh. Yeah. And we both watched it after I had just finished the book, so that was really cool. It was actually really nice because we watched it after kind of the space craze moment that Mm -hmm. they had because you had like interstellar Mm -hmm. and gravity and the martian and all these like space movies that were coming out yeah so it was kind of nice to like not see it in the middle of all that yeah watch it in our own time and then watch it later because now it's like oh well you know we saw interstellar we saw gravity and that was a little while ago and now you watch this and it's like oh okay cool this isn't i'm not comparing you know right yeah it was fun it was really good i am curious now that we've watched the movie and you've read the book, I want to hear more about the differences in the movie and yeah. the differences or the things they did different and the mm-hmm. things they got right. So totally, I'm but excited to talk about yeah, it. Yeah. So, like always, though, what do we have coffee wise today to help set the tone for the discussion? Oh yes. So um, last week we talked about grinders, basic introduction to different style of grinders, and I thought it would be nice and fitting to now talk about a basic introduction to coffee brewers. So in theme of the movie, or the book, I guess, someone in a situation that they have to make do with whatever they have, and we'll talk about that, um, I think coffee brewing is kind of in the same sense of if you have a good basic brewer, then you can make really good like tasty coffee. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, and if you have the right elements, then you can actually be very consistent with it. Coffee has become very, very technical, very scientific, 
and sometimes very overcomplicated. Mm -hmm. And I think that the point, if you are in the coffee world, obviously the point is to chase the perfect cup. We want to make as good a coffee as we can and bring the full extent of the coffee to light and enjoy it. But at the same time, like the point is to have a cup of coffee. Like you're not, I mean, right. it's not, it's rocket science, but it's not rocket science. Right. Like you're not saving the world, you're drinking coffee. Okay, so <laughs> some people probably get mad at me for saying that. Well, I mean, you're I saving mean, someone's world by making them coffee. But you can make it whatever you need it to be. Yeah. It's okay to be technical and curious, um, experimental, scientific, all that stuff. But it's also okay when you don't feel like doing all the work. Mm -hmm. It's okay. Sometimes I just want a cup of coffee and I don't want to go through the process of like getting out filters and pre-wetting filters and weighing out this mm -hmm. and grinding that and doing this and pouring that and doing all that stuff. Some days I just want a cup of coffee. Some days it's good to be a barista. Some days it's good to just have a freaking cup of coffee. So um, I think that it's good to keep in mind if you have the right elements, good, fresh, locally roasted coffee, good water, and a decent brewer, like you can make really good stuff. So um, what I would recommend when it comes to brewing coffee, the thing that I want is I want control. I want to have control over the elements. So I want to control the weight and grind size of the coffee, the type of water that I'm using, and the water volume. Those are the most important things I want. Um, this, is, this is important to note because... That's one reason I don't recommend using pod brewers like Keurigs mm -hmm. um, because it's pre-measured and premeditated and you just get what you get yeah. and that's it. And for some people, I mean, if you're in that much of a hurry, I mean, I guess I get it, but you're going to be very limited and I, I, I want to be able to make changes that I want to make and I want to be able to do things that I think will make the the process better for me and also i want to be able to clean my equipment yeah and you can't really do that very well with a keurig or a pod brewer yeah. um, maybe now you can but definitely several years ago it was hard to clean them you couldn't get in there to do stuff and that's scary yeah like what what's actually going on in yeah. there like what are you what's brewing? Really brewing what's coming out with your coffee and i'm sure that i'm sure that things have evolved a lot yeah. I, I haven't had like a pod coffee in probably eight or nine years yeah so, you know, but I, I want to be in control of the elements when I'm making my coffee. So here are some basic brewers that you can get. You can find these at Walmart. You could find these on Amazon. You can find these at Target, JCPenney's, if you still have a JCPenney's. Yeah, we <laughs> know. also don't have one of those. We lost that. Yeah. <laughs> Bankrupt JCPenney's. Yeah. All right. Um, but you guys, I mean, you can you can get a decent, like, consistent shower head coffee grinder if you don't know what that means um check it out go look it mm -hmm. up basically it's something that gives consistent immersion of your coffee with water and that you can have control over water volume and grind and and uh coffee volume and all mm -hmm. that stuff when you make your coffee so uh if you want to find something um you can literally like Go get something that works best for you um black and decker makes a coffee maker you know um mr coffee Mm -hmm. bun b-u-n-n -N, two n's ninja has coffee makers mm -hmm. like you can buy these and then you can go to your local coffee house and buy a bag of coffee and take it home if you don't have a grinder 
the coffee house will grind it for you. Right. Like, just ask them. Take it home and get some good water. Don't get purified water. Get something that you can either add, like, a mineral to. Like, if you get distilled water and then get a water packet additive, like, third wave water, you could do that. Or sometimes I'll use spring water. Mm-hmm. Um, those, those are good things to do. They're clean and clear and they will give you better flavor over your coffee. Don't use a purified water like Aquafina. (laughs) Don't do that. Yeah. Um, it's going to affect the taste of your water. So if you want to get into a little higher end of coffee brewers that for home use, um, there are SCA approved brewers. SCA stands for Specialty Coffee Association. So when you get into SCA approved stuff, this is these are items that the SCA has run multiple tests on. They've tests they've tested um, water and temperature control, and they've tested like the elements of the maker and how much how consistent it is with temperature, PID, all that kind of stuff. And here are some brands that are SCA approved. Cuisinart actually has an SCA approved coffee yeah. brewer. So if you want to, you could literally Google Cuisinart Coffee Brewer, SCA approved or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, Bonavita uh, has SCA approved coffee brewers. Breville, which most home baristas are very familiar with Breville products. Um, there's another one. It's called Mocha Master, M-O-C-C-A Master. These are going to be a little higher end coffee brewers. These are going to be brewers that give you a little bit more control over the elements over temperature, over water immersion, that kind of stuff. And because of that, you are going to pay a little bit more in price for these types of brewers. Um, Mocha Masters can get up to $350 or higher, depending Mm -hmm. on what you're getting or where you're getting it from. But if you are in control of the elements that you're brewing, you can make just like really good coffee off of a Mr. Coffee Brewer or... Um, or something like that. So it doesn't have to be as technical as you think it does. And don't be intimidated if you want a coffee brewer and you go to Walmart and buy one. Don't don't worry about that. Like go buy the things that you can afford to buy. Mm-hmm. Don't be ashamed. Um, I know there's a lot of like in in specialty coffee circles, there's a lot of shame thrown at these lower end brewers. And um, that's kind of unnecessary because if you are doing research and you are bettering yourself by learning about coffee and um, you're finding locally roasted coffee and you're using good water, you can make really good coffee at home. So don't be ashamed of that. Um, Explore, experiment, do what you can afford. Don't try to go above and beyond what you're able to budget for. Um, And yeah, enjoy the process. There are some resources that you can go to to find out um, a little bit more about these kind of things. There's a website called home-barista.com. And um, this is one of many, many websites that you could probably find. Uh, Home-barista.com actually has a resources page. On their resources page, they list a ton of other websites. And these are coffee websites where you can find all types of products, all types of information, all types of people to listen to. They list um, different coffee entrepreneurial people and coffee aficionados with blogs and websites and all that kind of stuff. So go to home-barista.com and explore and just have fun. Get what works best for you. Don't be intimidated. 
by what other people say. Do what's best for you and then enjoy the process. For sure. Now that we've talked about coffee brewers and uh, we have encouraged you to go out and better yourself by not being ashamed to buy a coffee brewer of you know, a lower quality value, which is still going to yield really good coffee. Right. Now let's get into this book because I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah. So let's get into it. Yes. All right. So again, we are discussing The Martian by Andy Weir. And this is actually the first book by Andy that I have read. And I don't know, I just kind of picked it up on a whim. Okay. And I was like, well, let's try this. You know, I was kind of in the mood for... Mm -hmm like a heavy sci-fi-esque. I mean, I guess it's not sci-fi. Well? No, yeah, no. Well, I mean, I, I guess... I mean, it is. It totally is. Yeah, okay. It's space. That just threw me for a second. Space. I mean, it's very realistic feeling. That's the thing. It's very realistic feeling. So it doesn't feel like, you know, some... I guess you could call it like modern sci-fi... Well, I think they're all modern. Because it's realistic. Well, I mean, if you like Star Wars isn't... I mean, I guess it technically mm. is modern, yeah. but... I don't know. That's weird. That's weird. I didn't... Yeah, what would you classify this as? Hmm. Um, anyway... Science fiction works. We'll, we'll just go with science fiction. I mean, I guess science fiction, fiction just deals with um, science mm -hmm. fictionalized. Yeah. So I don't know why I'm overthinking it. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> um, it felt very realistic. It, and, you know, like, I, I wasn't sure what to expect going into it because I hadn't read any of Weir's books. Mm -hmm. And I was super pleasantly surprised because it is immediate from the get-go that Weir has some type of background Dude. in science, like, everything. He must, he must <laughs> either be... Like a former engineer or like, like I don't know if he's in astrophysics or NASA personnel or something. You know, I I don't know. I mean, he maybe he was just putting gibberish out there. Or I wouldn't know because I'm like not an astronaut. Fifty thousand light years of research, right? On he, his own, he was very very knowledgeable and. Yeah. So the book is written mainly in the first perspective of an astronaut who has been stranded on Mars after a failed mission um, with his crew. He basically was left thinking, like everyone thought he was dead because mm -hmm. there was just this, this uh, accident type thing that happened in the midst of this horrible storm on Mars. Yeah. And so everyone's trying to get out and be safe. And, and you know, like the captain is like, well, we all need to just, I guess we need to leave, you know, there's all we, this is all we've can do yeah and they left him thinking that he had been injured and killed not knowing that they were leaving him behind alive mm -hmm. alone on mars in the middle of a crazy terrible storm right they didn't just up and leave right because like, mars gets these horrible death storms mm -hmm. so you know it it's intense just starting right from the get-go you the first the first part of the book is Mark Watney, who is the lone astronaut. Mm -hmm. He is writing in his log. So the whole perspective of his is that he's writing basically in a log journal to tell his story, to tell what he's going through. He's alone. No one's reading it, but he's logging it just in case one day people find it. And so you first start the story and he's like, well, I'm alone. <laughs> and 
you don't even get that scene of that happening. You get that in a flashback later. But the very first bit is just him being like, well, this is it. This happened. I'm alone. And now I got to figure this out because he is left with all this equipment that was scattered across the sands that they had to leave behind. And he basically has to figure out how to survive for years on Mars where there is no plant growth. There is no food that grows on Mars, obviously. And he only has a certain amount of rations Mm -hmm. that were left behind in in the storm and everything like that. And he immediately knows this is not a good situation. I'm probably going to die. I'm uh, probably going to starve to death. Gosh. But, it's like a nightmare. Yeah. It's a freaking bad dream. Yep. It's just... Uh. But you know, the immediately Watney's character was really, really likable to me. He has this uh, snarky, witty, sometimes immature sense of humor. Mm-hmm. But that sense of humor is what keeps him alive, basically. Yeah. Because his situation is so bleak. So he's really trying to keep himself uplifted by writing in these logs and by saying, you know, humorous things. And it's done in a really realistic way. And immediately you just really like Watney because you can see he's stressed out of his mind, (laughs) but he's really, really trying to keep positive. He's keeping his mind at work. He is immediately looking at all the stuff that was left behind, all of the equipment, and thinking, what can I do do to make this work so that I can survive until the next Mars mission, which is four years in the future. And the thing is, no one knows he's alive. So he's just like stranded. Wait, it's like, yeah, it's like he's there three months before they realize he's even. I think it's like yeah, still two, alive. two or three Gosh. months. And the thing is, because of the storm, communication was knocked out. So he's not left with any type of communication. He has no way to contact the his his teammates that have just left. Mm-hmm. He has no way to contact Earth because he has yeah. nothing. So anyway, it was really interesting. <laughs> it immediately caught my attention. And I really, really liked the character, Mm -hmm. and I really liked that Andy Weir, the author, was so knowledgeable, so technical. Now, I've read other people's reviews afterward. Some people found it really annoying that he was so technical in a lot of his descriptions. And you have to be, though. But you have to take into account, too, this is written in the perspective of an astronaut. Yeah. So, of course, he's going to be overly technical. And I never felt like it was so overwhelmingly technical that I couldn't understand it and that I couldn't follow the story. I think that's a huge testament to his writing because to discuss topics that are so technical but to do it in a way where you can still follow along as the reader i mean that's a huge feat and i could imagine everything really vividly Mm -hmm. and i mean i didn't i didn't do any research on what the mars landscape looks like or what their rovers look like or what their ships look like i didn't do any research on that because i could just immediately imagine everything just the way he was describing everything yeah and so when we watched the movie i think i even said that to you i was like oh i'm really happy that i actually (laughs) imagined this a lot like this you know a lot like this landscape and Mm -hmm. everything so yeah i really like the way, and of course, in the movie, it's Matt Damon mm-hmm. as Watney. And I do feel like, based off of 
what you had said regarding the book as well. I do like the way that he was portrayed because, like you said, he's kind of snarky. He's got a sense of humor. Mm-hmm. He's in the most hopeless situation imaginable mm-hmm. for someone like in that profession, I would imagine. And I am i can't imagine anything more hopeless than that. And for him to take on the challenge, rise above it, and make things happen like he did. Right. Um, while still keeping a good, like, good humor about it. I mean, I think they portrayed that really well. Mm-hmm. I think that came across really they well. They really did. And, um, yeah, it was really enjoyable. The The cast in the movie, they did an incredible mm-hmm. job casting. And uh, you even said at one point we were just – I don't even remember. We were some part in the movie, and you were like, there was a scene going on in dialogue and stuff, and you leaned over and you're like, that was basically line for line from the book. Oh, that that was almost throughout the whole entire yeah. movie. I love that. I freaking love that, and that's what makes stories so good is mm-hmm. when you have a story that you've read, and then you go see the movie, and they've actually stayed true. Mm-hmm. You don't like, find that very often. No, that's so rare, and unfortunately, it's rare. Mm-hmm. But that's. I mean, that's what's so satisfying yeah. because you can read the book and I can watch the movie and we basically have a very, very similar experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there were some things toward the ending that you said were different. Yes. But- so, yeah. So just in the book to movie comparison, the movie stayed amazingly close, especially in dialogue. There were a couple characters that were kind of changed, mm-hmm. which wasn't a big deal. And there were some instances that had to be kind of glossed over just for time. Yeah. Uh, because in the book, Watney goes through so much, so many obstacles that he has to overcome. And again, it's very technical lingo sometimes. And so, of course, you can't put all of that onto the big screen. Sure. So they did They did kind of condense some of those, but not in a disappointing way. Not in a way where I felt like they were going off from the main plot yeah. very much at all. And it did get toward the end, and there were definitely some... There were a couple instances that they skipped over entirely, but it really... It didn't... It didn't harm the movie at all. And the ending itself, like the last couple scenes, were not in the book at all. So I I did not like that very much. I Mm. like the way the book ended because the book just ended. And you're like, okay. You know, and you had to kind of digest what you just read. And in the movie, they tried to give some... uh, Some closure. Yeah, some closure, you know, and... I Would, felt like that was a little contrived. Makes sense, I guess. But. I felt like it was a little forced. But anyway, yeah. like talking about the plot itself and the characters, some really amazing, amazing characters. Because, like I said, the majority of the book is in Watney's perspective, as if he is writing in his log, his daily log, and he's just explaining what he's going through. He's being funny. He's like mm-hmm. trying to keep himself livened up thinking one day people are going to read this and they're going to learn from this and they're going to know what happened to me, you know, and he's trying to be himself about it. And, you know, the thing about Watney is that if there is ever a glimmer of hope that he might get out of this situation, that he might be able to get himself out of this situation, that he might be able to use his brain Mm -hmm. to come up with a solution, then he's never going to give up. Yeah. They even say that in the book. That's the thing about Watney. If he thinks that he is, you know, that he has hope, he won't give up. I love if that. he thinks that he's without hope, he will give up one hundred percent. Yeah. 
And and then he'll probably just enjoy dying. Right. Because <laughs> <laughs> that was kind of his like, oh, okay, well, if this is my fate, so mm-hmm. be it. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm going to yeah. die on a, another planet. You know, he would yeah. find something beautiful in that. For sure. You know. For sure. So, uh, you know, the book really took me by surprise. I thought it was just going to be like, yeah, you know, cool. No, it was actually really, really enjoyable. And the ending really impacted me. And, you know, I had a tear in my eye. Mm-hmm. And I really was glad I read it. That's awesome. I remember when we first started the movie and it just kicked off. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, man, this is kind of rushing a little bit. Because I'm, you're kind of used to that. The formula for movies now is they progress you into the situation almost too fast most times you don't have a chance to really build connection with characters before Mm -hmm. that or they have a bunch of like montages and then one serious scene you know Mm -hmm. but this one just kind of jump started right in the middle of it and i was thinking this is this is progressing really fast and you were like no no that's how the book starts Mm -hmm. and then i was oh okay cool and then we got into the movie and then you realize okay it's not about how he got left Mm -hmm. it's about how he, what he did yeah. while he was there. Yep. And that made a lot of sense. Yep. Um, I really enjoyed that about the book because that kind of took me a little by surprise when I started the book also because mm-hmm. he's just, we don't get the scene of him getting left behind yeah. when you start the book. Immediately, really? he's just like, I'm alone. Oh, wow. This just happened. And that's him putting it on the page. Dude. And yeah, we don't get any type of like full explanation of the storm or full like imagined scene of the storm until later in the book when um, they do start having some flashbacks to kind of show uh, other things. So the whole book is not just in Mark's perspective. The first little bit is, and it's him writing in his logs or speaking to his uh, recorded logs. And then partway in, they start having flashbacks of you know, him, or they show what's going on on Earth. Yeah. Because, you know, there there does uh, come a time where they realize through satellites that Mark is still alive. Yeah. And they've already announced that he, di- he died. <laughs> so oh NASA has to make this huge public announcement. Mm-hmm. Uh, we made a mistake. <laughs> Mark Watney did not die on Mars. Mark Watney was left behind on Mars, and now we need to fix it. Yeah. And so you get you get the back and forth there of Mark by himself trying with all of his power to make himself survive, and then flashes to Earth and how they're trying their best to help him 38 million miles away. Yeah. When well, all the things they have to do, the little tiny details they have to skip and just like cutting corners mm-hmm. to, to buy try to time. get to him as quickly and, as possible. Yeah, yeah, it's so crazy because you don't think about the fact that it took them 10 months mm-hmm. just to get there. Right. And now he's going on a, a you know a, a slowly depreciating rations of food, and he has they have so much yes. time calculated. Yeah, yeah. It, it is really nerve wracking, right? In that, even though it's like not a mile a minute happening, you're seeing it all unfold, mm-hmm. and you are just like the tension is just growing the whole movie. Yes. Until like the final showdown of yes. them rescuing him. It's just, it was so well done. The story is just really well done. 
as a movie, it was very well mm-hmm. done. Very I was really enjoyable. pleased with the movie. I remember when the book came out because it was people were talking about how unique it was. Really? Yeah, I because I remember uh, my brother talking about it. Okay, yeah. And um, then the movie came out, and then it was like, oh, okay, this is really cool. You know, it was, yeah. it was a space movie, but it was kind of a twist on. You know, I thought <laughs> I thought it was funny because uh, we watched Interstellar, and they go to that like lonely ice planet or whatever and uh matt damon's character is the one who's been there forever and they show oh, up and he tries uh, to hijack their ship and yes. escape yeah so i, I had thought those it was, thoughts too i thought it was funny because you watch interstellar and he's this lone guy on this planet yeah. who's so lonely he wants to kill his fellow astronauts to escape and then mm-hmm. you see this movie and he's a lone astronaut stranded on a planet i just thought it was funny yeah he never had an opportunity to try to steal yeah. anyone's ship in the Martian, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but yeah, isn't that funny that Matt Damon's been in like multiple space movies? Mm-hmm. That's weird. Yeah, I mean they're really popular, and Mars has become really popular within recent years. Like stories about Mars. Oh yeah. Um, well, and, and now you can see footage of Mars because they launched a, a rover, right? And that actually brought right. like, so actual footage. I wonder how long. Until we actually can send people to Mars. Or maybe we already have. Mm. And the government doesn't want us to know about <laughs> it because conspiracy theorists. Oh my gosh. I don't know. Elon Musk probably ha- already has a second home. Probably. That's why he's pushing Dogecoin. Because he wants to make it the <laughs> national currency on Mars. On Mars. Probably. Yeah, it's probably true. <laughs> but yeah, it's just, it's really interesting. And I... Those I, are all jokes, by the way, kids. We're not, yeah. we're not serious about... Yeah, don't... <laughs> Don't judge harshly. Yeah. It's sarcasm. <laughs> um. Anyway, I I was really really pleased with the book. I mean, there's really not a ton I can say about the plot. Yeah, without giving stuff uh, away. So it's good that you and I can at least talk yeah. about how we enjoyed things and how we enjoyed the character. Very enjoyable because the plot is basically Mark trying to survive. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to give anything away. Yeah, I'm not going to talk about that because i want you to experience that and the good thing is that i can say either read the book or watch the movie yes and you know that's really cool because instances where you can actually say that yeah because usually you know as readers we're more often than not disappointed Mm -hmm. with the movies but they did a really good job with this and and then the changes that they did make they weren't horrible. They didn't diverge from the storyline. Yeah. A ton. They pro- I kind of think it probably made sense for the movie. It wasn't necessarily the best choice, but it made sense, I guess, yeah. to cap off the you movie. Know, but- the ending, they just tried to, I guess, tug on your heartstrings a little bit more with mm-hmm. a little bit more of like a closure type scene yeah. that was not in the book. And again, I thought that was contrived. A little bit. But but it was still good. I mean, but it's yeah, still I mean, it you worked. you didn't think that because you you were like, I oh, read the book. That's great. Yeah. So it's like you know, if you read the book, then you may think that, but it's still good. So very good. What would you rate this book? I would definitely rate this book a five. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Because I was just really really impressed by Weir's writing, mm-hmm. and. I was really impressed by his use of all the technical terms and the way that he had Watney thinking things through. You very much felt like you were reading something written by an astronaut who's a botanist and engineer Engineer, and everything that Watney is supposed to be. Um, There was never a moment where I was like, that 
That doesn't seem That's realistic. That's extremely implausible. You know, and again, I'm not an astronaut, so I don't know if any of what they did was actually realistic. But Weir did a really, really great job, at least, of even if everything he said was fiction about, you know, what it's like to be an astronaut and doesn't all of matter. the equipment and stuff. It doesn't matter because it works. felt extremely real and you yeah. felt like you're reading something written by it felt very authentic for the type of story yeah. that it is it really like, did it felt believable for it really sure did. and watney like i said he has humor smattered in mm-hmm. a lot throughout the story i felt like that really showed his mental place yeah that he was like you know trying to push himself forward so he was focusing on things to try to be funny to himself or whatever i thought that that was really relatable and you know i didn't think that his little witty things or his snarky things that he was writing i didn't think that it was ever like okay whatever it wasn't unbearable um it actually felt realistic because i know that you know when you're having a horrible day and everything is going wrong and you're trying your best, I mean, it is better to just make it light of it yeah. and to say stupid things um, because that helps get you through it. So, again, some people in their reviews said that uh, they didn't like his little witty remarks or they thought things were too technical. They thought things <laughs> were too complicated. And I'm like, well, again, every book is for different yeah, people. So sure. True, and and some days things are so bad that you just gotta get creative. And if you run out of ketchup, you just gotta dip your potato in crushed Vicodin. I mean, that's all you can do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, we've all been else? there. Come we've on. all been there. <laughs> Crush that Vicodin up, yeah. dump a little bit in your coffee, yeah. and just, just go with it. He said in the in the book at one point. Because, you know, he's living on these rations that are very quickly running out. Mm-hmm. And he, along with people in NASA, have calculated to the day, based on what he has and what what um, rations he has, what supplies he has, they've calculated exactly to the day how long he can survive. And so things get pretty rough. Yeah. And there's... You know, in the beginning, he has, like, you know, the types of food they send with astronauts, the, like, vacuum-sealed crap. And he did, in the beginning, have, like, instant coffee or whatever. Well, he runs out of that at one point. And, you know, he he is a botanist, and he was able to uh, make a way to grow potatoes on Mars. So he does have, like, a big supply of potatoes that he can eat. So he's, like, basically living on potatoes and, you know, nothing at one point. He runs out of his instant coffee and he says that he tried to be creative and like make a potato peel tea. Oh, gross. <laughs> oh, my God. Very quickly realized not <laughs> worth the time. Uh, so, you know, it's just little things like that, it's too. Like starch and water. Yeah. <laughs> but he Gosh, tried it because he was desperate. I mean, what else are you going to do? That is desperation right there, <laughs> trying to drink potato peels. But there are just little things like that in the story That's that awesome. <laughs> really endear you to the character and make you feel for him and laugh with him. So I hope he had an SCA-approved brewer. <laughs> if only. If only, man. Probably would have made those potatoes Get some third-wave so water good. on Mars. That right. would make it all better. Man, I mean, <laughs> just, just wait until you see how he had to get water on Mars. Oh, God. Oh, it's unbelievable how you could even write that. I know. So much technical scientific information. The creativity, the ingenuity, 
Andy Weir did an amazing job. Mm -hmm. And I'm actually planning on reading another one of his books. It's called Project Hail Mary. Okay. And that looks amazing. Awesome. So I'm going to be reading that soon. You're going to go on a space kick? I might, you know, like, so I've I've definitely found a well-liked, beloved author to Mm -hmm. add to my list. So anyway, that's probably all I really have to say about it. Uh, Five stars from me. Five out of five recommend. Five coffee beans. (laughs) Five potatoes. Five, yeah, five potatoes (laughs) for sure. Awesome. So if you want, read the book, or if you want, read the Read the the movie. movie. Watch the movie. (laughs) The movie is very, very good. Um, You know, we're talking it up a lot, but go draw your own conclusions from it. Some people really, really, really loved it, and some people just kind of didn't enjoy it as much, and that's okay. So, um, yeah, go check it out in whatever way works best for you. I'm a big Audible fan. I Mm -hmm. like audiobooks, and if that works for you, find it on Audible. Um, Audible, please sponsor us. That would be amazing. Thank you. Uh, yeah. And in the meantime, get a coffee brewer. Start brewing coffee at home. Brew some potato don't, peels. Don't do the potato starchy water thing. That's not going to end well. We warn you. If the if the botanist, astrophysicist, engineer, astronaut tried it and it didn't work, it probably won't work for you. Either. Yeah. Don't do that. <laughs> That's true. But um, yeah, get what get the coffee brewer that works best for you. Get locally roasted coffee that's fresh. Grind it, brew it, enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Don't overcomplicate it unless you really, really want to. That's up to you. Thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of Pages and Pours. Yes. What episode number is this now? I think this is technically 11. Dang. And we actually may be doing another micro episode soon. Yes. No promises on that, but we're going to try to do that this week. Yes. Uh, We're going to try to see if we can do something really special. Yeah, because we're going to be out of town this week. So we thought, let's try something fun. Yes. Um, But anyway, next week's should be fun also. And in the meantime... If you ever have any questions about coffee, anything coffee related at all, you can contact Ben at Ben underscore Burley on Instagram. He's also on TikTok. And if you have, ever have anything to say about books, just want to talk about books, want to uh, suggest anything, tell me what you've read lately and loved, then you can get a hold of me at She Breathes in Ink on Instagram and TikTok. And in the meantime, happy reading and cheers. Oh my god. I'm making a really lousy cup of coffee. I'm gonna be deleting all this.